The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to the creek. Glad you're here. 11.45, you're my happy crowd. You got extra sleep and everybody looks great, beauty rest and everything. One quick announcement that uh, we were given this morning that Heather didn't have on that sheet is uh, the Lake Worth Senior Center is having a Thanksgiving luncheon this week, and uh, they've, they're inviting churches. So if you're off on Wednesday and, and want to do that at 9 o'clock in the morning, we're going to prepare for lunch and then serve that. So it'll be 9 to 2 throughout the day on Wednesday so we can honor and serve our seniors in our community and let them uh, have a Thanksgiving luncheon. And uh, also... Uh, our foundations, I want to give you a quick update. Two weeks ago was Commitment Sunday, then last week was our first fruits, and I just want to share this. Is, this is just what God is doing through us and, and in the life of the church, and it's exciting. But on Commitment Sunday and through, through this week, over $450,000 have been committed over the next three years. That's incredible. And then 150000 have come in through our first fruits. So I was just in awe of what God's doing in our church. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, so uh, let's, let's give God praise for that. Can we do that? That's nothing that I have the ability to do. Trust me. Trust me. But this week is Thanksgiving, and I'm so happy. I can't wait. I'm, I'm so hungry already. I had a dream last night about the food, if that says something about me. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to have turkey, dressing. Some call it dressing. Some call it stuffing. I don't care what you call it. I'm eating it. Um, but gravy, mashed potatoes, green beans, green bean casserole, rolls, yams, candied yams. Oh, everything. Pecan pie, pumpkin pie. I don't. It's just, I'm just, I'm hungry now. Let's just pray and go eat. How about that? <laughs> but uh, Thanksgiving is, is this week. This is actually the calm before the storm because on Thursday... After you awake from your turkey-induced coma, uh, you will begin the busiest season of the year. Uh, In that time, we are going to run ourselves like crazy, we are going to spend like crazy, and we are going to slide into Christmas Eve uh, together as a church and go, ah, can we just take a minute to relax? I mean, I I think, I I don't even have kids that need the childcare, but I think I might go rent a kid to come drop it off at the, the church for the child care just so I can be a part of that. I don't know why, um, but it's just going to be a crazy season. And I, I really uh, want us to kind of kind of spend some time together as a family getting ready for the season because just as, as I'm excited about it, I understand this truth, this reality. Uh, for many, this season uh, is extremely difficult. Uh, for many... Um, as much as I'm excited about going to Thanksgiving dinner and, and going into the Christmas season, I know some are dreading it because it's the hardest time of year. A lot of things come back uh, from the past to deal with. And um, I want us to be able to look at God's idea or God's plan on uh, getting rid of some baggage in our life. Uh, the truth is we all have baggage. It's just are we willing to let God do something with it? I used to travel uh, when I was in the corporate world, and I could pack an entire week's worth of clothes in a single carry-on that I could get in my overhead bin. That, that's a feat. I don't know if I could do it now. Well, I don't have a lot of toiletries, so I could probably still do it now, you know, because you play the game of ounces, 
And I, you know, I just, it's just ridiculous to me. Here's something we could do. We could just buy shampoo when we get where we're going. My family, sometimes we pack like we are going to be in the Amazon for three months. Well, we might need shampoo. We, need, we can buy all that there. Trust me. I bet that there's a super target where we are going. <laughs> um, even on road trips, I am, I'm the master at, at packing and loading a car. I'm like the load master. Um, and, and we go to Florida every summer. We rent a condo and three families share this condo. We take so much stuff. I, we take pots and pans because Heather's going to cook while we're in the condo. And so I can load down the back of my SUV with a week's worth of provisions and still see out the back window. <laughs> That's, yes. Us guys were like, <laughs> you got it, man. And then uh, just so you guys know, road trips, ladies, guys, think Smokey and the Bandit. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there, okay? It is a race, okay? It's not, how do I put this? It's not enjoying the trip. I want to enjoy the beach, okay? And, and besides that, pulling off the road for an extended lunch, the reason guys don't like that, ladies, is because we got to pass all those other fools we just spent 10 hours trying to pass, Okay? <laughs> We, we get back on the highway after lunch, and I pass that truck, I pass, and then you're like, ah, oh, man, because you realize that one car that it took you 10 minutes to get around, and you're like, great. <laughs> I was hoping they would have stopped too. You think it like, you time it like a NASCAR race. Everybody's got to take pit stops, right? You just want to be on the same cycle so you don't get behind them again. But I get, when we get to Florida, we pull in the parking garage, and I'm what you call a one-trip mule. I want to get it all unloaded in one trip. And the race to Florida is to get to the baggage carts, not the beach, okay? There are these luggage carts that they store in the parking garage, and the race is to get to those because there's not enough. Well, we end up stopping for an extended lunch and, and a bathroom breaks and everything. So when we get there, there's no baggage carts. So I load down. I literally look like a, I'm a one-pack mule. I'm like, hold the elevator, please. And so I, I, the guys have sympathy on me because I come in. You can't even tell there's a human underneath all this baggage. And I get to the elevator. I get on it, and I just drop it because I can stop the elevator in front of, my, in front of the condo and unload it. Everybody else can wait because I got my bags, right? Um, but it's just interesting how much we load ourselves down. I love people watching. At the airport, that's one of the best places to people watch. And there's some guys, I, I'll tell Heather this, I feel sorry for that guy. She goes, why? I was like, look at how many bags he's dragging for three people. I mean, it's just sad how much baggage we carry around. If we can see the bags that people bring at the airport. But emotional baggage is something different. We, we all have our emotional baggage. We all drag it around with us. The, the problem is we can't always physically see it that makes sense. And I want to spend some time this morning unpacking this emotional baggage or unpacking relational baggage in our life so that we, this might be the first Christmas season that we could go into not carrying some of the baggage we've carried for years. And so I want to, I want to kind of clear up some myths as well. The old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. And it always ends with, nah, 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 nah. you know, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? That's how you say it. Uh, that's, that's a lie. Um, I think we're, enough, we're adult enough in this room to understand how deeply words can wound us and how deeply words can hurt. Um, 
the hard thing about an emotional wound is the healing process. I mean, I, I just did this survey in the first two services, and I, I will do it in here for this sake. How many of you have ever broken a bone? Just raise your hand. Okay, got some daredevils, all right. How many of you, okay, here's where it gets real. How many of you have ever been stabbed? See, this is my safe crowd. How many of you ever been shot? Oh, my goodness. Trinity, our youth pastor, had to raise his hand for the same incident of being stabbed and shot. He's dangerous, man. Don't mess with him. <laughs> he shot himself with a bow and arrow accidentally. So technically, it's shooting and stabbing himself. But anyway, the, the second service, that's a dangerous service. Stay away. Stay out of that one. There was an overwhelming amount of people who've been stabbed and shot. Um, well, well, you're in this room, so your stab wound or your bullet wound healed. Uh, I, when I cut myself, I'll work on house projects, and I'll finish, and I'll, my hand will be cut. Heather go, how'd you cut yourself? I don't know. Just I was doing the project, and, you know, it's kind of a manly thing. You know, we guys don't go in the garage and cut ourselves to get the sympathy. Like, oh, man, hung that picture for you and cut myself. You know, but I'll end up working with something, and, and I don't know how it, it happens. The other day, I was working with a drill. I ended up cutting myself and uh, walked in the bathroom, put Neosporin on it and a Band-Aid. And you know what? It's healed. It's good. It's back to normal. Um, wounds, physical wounds have a healing process. Emotional wounds have to be dealt with. Uh, and what I want to do this morning is, as we go into this Christmas and Thanksgiving season, let's learn to deal with some of those emotional wounds. If you've got your Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own one, then that's our gift to you. But let me set the stage here. 1 Samuel 18, while you're going there, uh, we're talking about King David. And, and King David is someone who dealt with some, some incidences in life where he could... Uh, very easily pick up emotional baggage to uh, keep him from living the life God created him to live. Uh, let me set some history for you with King David. Um, king David was king of Israel, one of the greatest kings of history. He was not the first king of Israel. Uh, the nation of Israel was formed in Egypt. They were in bondage. Moses led them out of Egypt uh, um, by following God's presence. God led them across the Jordan River into the promised land. They inherited the promised land. They had to possess it. They were living there. The nation was enjoying some prosperity. And then they started this dangerous thing called comparison. And they start looking around at other nations. And like, God, we want a king. And God says, you don't want a king. No, God, we want a king. And God says, well, you really have a king. It's me. I'm the king of kings and Lord of lords. Like, no, no, no. God, we want a king. We want a throne. We want a king. We want some king on that throne that we can see and and have a human king. We want that. And God says, you're going to regret it, but here you go. And so God sends Samuel. Samuel is a prophet of the Lord. He sends Samuel to anoint Saul. Saul looked the part of a king. He was GQ's man of the year for Israel. And he looked the part of a king. And so Saul had a problem. Here's what you're going to find in Scripture. People have problems. No one's perfect in Scripture except Jesus. We all have issues. David has issues. David said of Scripture, it said in Scripture of David that he was a man after God's own heart, and David had issues. 
What I love about God is even with my issues and my mess, God loves me. And that he created me to live a life that has purpose and meaning and depth. And so Saul is the first king of Israel. Um, Word from the Lord comes to Samuel to say, Saul, we're going to camp out in the place. We're going to do a sacrifice. Wait for me. I'll get there. Samuel was to do the sacrifice. Saul was to wait. God told Saul to wait. How many of you have ever gotten impatient waiting for God? Like, God, this is what I know you want me to do. Come on, let's do it. We're like kids. And Saul was impatient. He starts seeing people leaving. He panics. Saul does exactly opposite of what God says. He offers the sacrifice. And what happens in that moment is God removes his blessing or his anointing as king from Saul. He didn't remove him from the position on the throne just yet, but the blessing and anointing was gone, and Samuel was sent to find David. Think about this. Here's where some of these emotional wounds could probably start for David. Uh, Samuel shows up at the house of Jesse, and he says, Samuel says, Jesse, call your, call your boys in. Um, God's looking for the next king of Israel. So Jesse calls his sons in. And they look the part. They are the varsity football team. And they, they just have that look. And the peace of God doesn't come on Samuel. And he says, you, you know, the king is going to come from your house, Jesse. Are these all your sons? And he goes, no, the runt's in the field. And he goes, call him in. See, David was overlooked by his own father. As perhaps not worthy to be considered for this position in Israel. He comes in, the peace of God comes on Samuel and says, that's my king. And so he anoints David to be king of Israel. So what you have here is the anointing is on David, not on Saul. The position is on Saul, not on David. And so you have this weird time of transition. And that's where we're going to pick up here. 18 verse 5, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So what happens is Saul knows what's going on and then he pulls David in close. When the men were returning home after David killed the Philistine, after he killed Goliath, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. And they danced and sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. This is where, guys, it's like wah, wah, wah. Or if you're in the Scooby-Doo, rut row. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? Well, now that you mention it, Saul. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So what he's doing, he's pulling them close. You've heard the term, keep your enemies close. Sadly, it's not for anything but for us to take advantage of them. Here's what happens. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. 
He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Okay, so look at some of the things that are going on. You've got David overlooked by his father and then anointed as king. Then you have Saul bringing David close and trying to kill him. You think David probably questioned whether or not God might really want him to do this? And yet he has to go back to the word of God on his life that have, I have created you for purpose. I've anointed you to be king of Israel. You see, we pick up hurts from every, a lot of places. Some of you may be carrying hurts from your father. Some of you may be carrying hurts from your mother. Uh, maybe from someone else in authority because Saul pulled David in close. Might be a coach. Sadly, it might be a pastor. One of my pastors used to say, if you have not been hurt in church, you haven't gone long enough. That's sad, but it's a reality. We're not perfect. We got issues. We got problems. And we don't go, hey, let's intentionally hurt people. It, it happens because we're broken. And you know what? We're dealing with hurt. Here's one thing I've learned about hurt people. Hurt people have the ability to hurt people. So I don't know where your hurt comes from, but you've picked it up. Because when we get one of those hurts, we pack it away. We try to bury it. We think, we think this, this other lie will take care of us. That time heals all wounds. That's wrong. With a broken heart, time can even harden and callous that heart and turn it to stone. And it takes the Holy Spirit to melt that heart of stone. It takes God doing heart surgery on us to get through the hardness of our heart and to deal with our baggage. See, pain has a way of trying to define us. I talk to people that have gone through a divorce, like, man, after that divorce, I just died. No, you didn't. You carried a heavy emotional weight, and now let's deal with it. See, we think pain sometimes can be a tombstone, but pain needs to be a stepping stone. So what I want to look at is some dangers of us carrying our baggage. Because if you read science, ladies, this is for you. Those heavy purses cause more damage than you think. Not just to our pride when you ask us to hold it. <laughs> Y'all feel me? Carrying emotional baggage has many dangers to it as well. One of them is, is that relational baggage, relational wounds can keep us from our potential. See, we have this ability when we get angry or hurt to make long-term decisions and short-term emotions. For some of you, you have not been at a Thanksgiving table or a Christmas family gathering for years because you made a long-term decision in a short-term moment of anger and then pride sets in and you can never return there again. And the potential for what the family could be is lost. I think one of the worst things we can come into the end of life with is potential. It means we left something on the table. You see, that just as much as God wants to heal us from our wounds, there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy saw David get anointed by Samuel. And here's, you know, I'm speculating here, but David served God in the field. David was a humble 
servant of God in the field. Now, when the enemy sees us live life and he says, wait, here's a humble servant that is completely reliant on the strength and power of God to live the life that he's created to live, and he's going to rise to power, I'm in trouble. The enemy says, my kingdom's on the line here now, and he will go after it with all he can to rob us of the potential. Every conflict we get into, whether it's with our spouse, with our kids, co-workers, or just people, the enemy is trying to get us to hurl spears to kill the potential of the other person. The enemy wants to keep your family in conflict because he doesn't want your marriage to be everything that God created to be. He doesn't want your marriage to be something that God gets the glory and honor from. The reason the enemy wants to steal the potential in your family is he doesn't want to see your kids grow up to be healthy adults who love Jesus with all their heart and live the life that God's created them to live. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy all of our potential. And sadly, when we carry our emotional baggage, we can't live into the potential that we're created to live with because we're so weighed down, we're exhausted. It's kind of like the reason I got rid of my pickup truck. I got tired of helping people move. I'm just being honest, right? It's just us in here. Man, and then I got tired of loaning my pickup truck to help people move because I'd get it back scratched, dented, and empty on gas. I'm like, thank you, friend. You just wounded me emotionally. You mess with a man's truck, you're messing with his heart. Just saying. There's too many of us that are living life like we are moving vans, carrying our emotional baggage. And God says, <laughs> I designed you to be a sports car. And there's no way you can maneuver through life that way down. All potential is lost. You put a giant moving van on a racetrack with those, those race cars, there's no potential of winning. Not unless he can figure out a way to wreck everyone else on the track. And then, then really, who's the winner? He wants to rob us of our potential. The second thing is relational wounds can pollute our other relationships. Um, hurt people don't just hurt people, but hurt people can become toxic. Because it, we have these, these past wounds that, that create such a mess in our current relationships Uh, Hebrews 12 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Here's the problem. This bitter root, think of our emotional baggage and our emotional wounds as the fertilizer that grows this root of bitterness. The first thing it does, it makes us defensive. We get reactionary. It's like when we come out of the closet and we're asked, is that what you're wearing? (laughs) Guys, I know you're going to be quiet through this section because you're like, I don't want her to elbow me. Well, why would you think I would elbow you? Do you think I carry some hurt in the past that would create me to elbow you? Are you questioning what I'm wearing? I got your back. I'm speaking up here. You you stay safe. I know, but we're going to deal with some heart stuff. Why would you think I don't look good in this? Somewhere, sometime in your past, someone has told you that green is not your color. I don't know. And I I just stepped on the minefield. I just like, is that what you're wearing? 
Bo Jackson. I'm not saying that from any experience at all. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm basing this off of conversations with, with you guys. <laughs> makes us defensive. It makes us distant. Uh, we put up walls. What happens is when we don't deal with this, we don't let God deal with our emotional baggage, we build walls for relationships. And we build walls to keep people out, but the problem is we can't get out either. We end up basically building our own mausoleum. We build our own tomb because we've protected ourselves so well. We've insulated and isolated ourselves that we can't let anyone in and we can't get out. And we become distant. And then if we're willing to engage in another relationship, makes us very demanding. Well, if I enter into a relationship again, that's if, it's going to be done this way. We, we enter with these presupposed demands. Uh, some of us as parents have been wounded, or some of us have been wounded by our parents and not dealt with that. And then we become demanding on our children. And so what happens is we're expecting our children to carry our emotional baggage for us. Or, or we've been hurt in a past relationship. Maybe it is through a divorce or maybe just hurt in the past in our relationship and we have this unhealthy expectation and these demands that the next person that comes into our life, they need to be able to carry my emotional baggage. I mean, the reality is, is when I perform a wedding, it's incredible how two people stand here with nothing except an incredible amount of baggage. And one of the things we talk about is it's unhealthy to expect the other person to carry that baggage. It makes us demanding in our relationships. The third thing is relational wounds can damage our relationship with God. Yeah, we have to address this. Because God did not design us or create us to continue to carry the weight of this hurt. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All you who are weary, come to me and I will give you rest. And there's so many people moving through the, the hallways and terminals of life and the roadways of life, so weighed down, so exhausted, so just beat up, so hurt, and, and, and no way to get offload this. And Jesus says, I can carry that for you. And if we don't think he can, we have a skewed view of God. The, the problem that we have when we're unwilling to let God work on this is we begin to get into this mindset of hating people. Maybe you've been hurt in church. I hear people all the time say, I love Jesus but not the church. And let me, let me help you with something. You're lying. 1 John 4 says, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. It's a lie. It would be like you coming to me and going, Matt, and we love you, and we want to spend time with you, but I hate your wife. Uh, you just opened up a can of issues with me because I don't care how much you love me if you don't love my wife we are not going to get along it's just not going to happen and, and I will walk away from you 
Here's the thing that I love about God. Too many times we say, Jesus, I love you, but I hate your bride because it's filled with messed up people and all they have the ability to do is hurt and it's filled with your bride is just hypocritical. What I love about Jesus is he says, well, let me love you into being a part of my bride. He doesn't walk away from us. Yes, we're broken people and it takes the work of of God and the hand of God to take broken pieces of humanity and create this beautiful mosaic called his bride. And that's when things start to happen. Uh, I had a moment in my office this week. I want us to do something together. This is crowd participation time. Um, We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Um, And and I want you to pay attention. You'll probably understand this uh, when we get to it. Um, I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together and then uh, come to a realization of, of this. Ready? Uh, we'll start. We'll do it together. Okay, it's every, all of us here. Are we ready? And this is the King James Version for you holy people. Um, <laughs> Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I'm going to tell you, man, God took me to the woodshed this week. Uh, In this, God said, so do you want me to forgive you? the way you forgive others? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not a smart man, but I know the answer to that question. Okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> but here's where God worked on me. He said, or would you want me to work on your heart so that you possess the ability to forgive as I forgive you? You see, for some of us, this season might be the first time we understand what forgiveness really is. And I know it's difficult. Uh, I put the suitcase on your note sheet um, and had this moment planned where we would write our hurts and come and lay them at the foot of the cross. But here's the reality. I know it's not that easy. There's a process involved with it. So what I want you to do with that suitcase, some of y'all may need to buy a notebook. Um, I'm just being honest. But there's a process involved. The first thing that we have to do is reveal the hurt. I don't mean reveal it in a gossipy way where you reveal it to other people to build your offensive, to go on the attack for this person who has wronged you. I'm saying you need to sit down with a safe person, a person that is spiritually mature, that is willing to pray with you and walk with you through this process and say, God, help me. And then, expose that to this person. Peel the Band-Aid back. Remember when we were kids, everything was fixed with a Band-Aid? We can't just Band-Aid our heart. Peel it back with somebody that loves you and that you can trust. Reveal that hurt. Be honest about it. I mean, when you go to the airport, (laughs) they run your baggage through that (laughs) X-ray, kind of forces you to be honest about what you have in your bags, right? 
And God can see your heart. He knows the hurts. You'll agree with him when he brings them to the surface and say, you know what, God, that, that does hurt. That's in there. You see, let me, let me expose another lie here. Too many people in the church walk around saying, well, God gave me a broken heart as my cross to bear. I don't think that's truth at all. In Psalm 147, God tells us that he binds our wounds and heals the brokenhearted. God's design for your life is to be broken for him, not brokenhearted walking around carrying this pain. He did not design you, remember? You're not a pickup truck, you're a sports car. Some of us are Jeeps, utility, but still can't haul anything. I owned a Jeep. You couldn't even go to the grocery store in that thing. A gallon of milk weighed that thing down. But they'll go anywhere, right? That's us guys. We'll go anywhere we're utility, but don't ask to go to the grocery store. Okay? Reveal the hurt. Release the people involved. Yeah. See where I'm getting this isn't just writing something that's hurt us in the past and laying it up here on the stage. This gets into the depth of the hurt. Release the people involved. Because here's the reality. Um, When Jesus was asked, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? Jesus said 70 times seven. He's saying don't put a limit on it. Don't limit your forgiveness Forgiveness is something. Let me, let me explain something about the hurt we carry. We tend to hold on to the hurt so we can remember it, so we can get back at the person, or we just get exhausted carrying. Or we think in some weird way, if I hold on to this hurt, I'm actually holding that person captive. When in reality, the person who has hurt you has you captive. And I'm going to share something with you. Sometimes they may not even know they hurt you. I had a student email me, five years after he had left my student ministry and said, I just want to let you know that I, I forgive you for what you said that hurt me so deeply. I crushed, it crushed me because I didn't realize I'd hurt him. You see, there are people I hang on to the hurt. They're walking around. They, they don't even realize they've hurt me. And I'd try to, I, you know, I want to drop hints without being too, too forward. You, you know what I'm talking about? Release them. Even if they hurt you intentionally, you're not holding them captive. Release them. Forgiveness should happen quickly. Now, trust, let me tell you something. If you're in an abusive relationship, you need to get out. And there there can be forgiveness in that, but the trust has to be built. Okay, trust, it, it does not get rebuilt by, I'll never do that again. Maybe trust starts with, I'm sorry. And now let's set some boundaries. Trust and forgiveness are not the same thing. Forgiveness happens quickly. Trust has to be built. Forgiveness says, I'm okay with you. I'm not okay with what you did to me. Now let's build the trust in an environment so that we can have this relationship back on on a better level than we had before. Release the people involved. And then the third one is refocus on God's plan for your life. 
What an exciting moment in David's life as he walks in from the field and says, what's going on? Who, who's this guy? And he says, David, the Lord has chosen you to be the next king of Israel. And he anoints his head with oil. What an exciting moment that must have been to realize that God has, not only that God knows you, but God has got this plan for your life, that God has said, I've got something for your life, David. What an exciting time. But then all of the attacks start coming. And David had to continue to let that go. See, even after David was king, the attacks didn't stop. David's son tried to overthrow his kingdom. For some of your deepest hurts come from your kids. And so what the enemy tries to steal and kill and destroy in our life, Jesus wants to put it back together again. And so what I want you to do is this week in your quiet time, I want you to write, I want you to start revealing what's in the baggage and begin to release the people involved. As I said, some of you may need to get more paper than what's provided to you. But make this the first, maybe the first Christmas season where you can truly give the best gift of all, and that's forgiveness. So may we enter this time of Thanksgiving and Christmas season fully forgiven and have the capacity to fully forgive. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the truth of your word that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you have a plan for our life, that, that, Father, you bind up our wounds and you heal our broken hearts, that, Father, you can take the broken pieces of life that come through hurt and tragedy and pain and you can make this beautiful mosaic, this beautiful picture, this beautiful bride, your church. I ask, Father, that right now, with only the gentleness that the Holy Spirit can provide, that you begin to, to, to work on our heart. That you reveal the areas in our life and reveal the hurt so that we can deal with them and give us the capacity to forgive the way you forgive us. That is only by your power that we can forgive with that capacity. And so we ask for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness on our life. Forgive us for where we have wronged you. And help us to forgive those that have wronged us. And Father, even in this process of revealing, if you reveal that we have hurt someone else, let us, let us operate in humility pray that our pride will not keep us from the table any longer and that we can operate in humility and allow you to restore what the enemy has destroyed. Pray for your protection over our hearts in the coming days, weeks, and months. Father, let us truly live the life you created us to live, free from the baggage Father, I pray that we can leave it at your feet, at your cross, and we can take up your yoke that is easy and your burden which is light. Give us rest. 
We love you. We're so thankful for your forgiveness in our life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.